Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Rogers. We are so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. If this is your first time or you've been a few times and you haven't had a chance to meet someone or let someone know your name, we would love to get you connected. And there's multiple ways you can do that. You can text the number on the screen. You can use the QR code. You can go online. You can find someone with the name tag out in the center booth or out in the foyer somewhere. Come up on stage and just say, hey, hi, my name is And we'd love to get to know you and tell you a little bit more about who we are as fellowship. And one thing that we really want you to know about if you are seriously dating or engaged is the Merge Ministry. It's such a great ministry to to help you um, navigate this, this big decision in life called marriage. And so it's launching October 2nd. And so if you know someone who is engaged or seriously dating or if you find yourself in that boat, we would love for you to check out Merge, and you can find out more about it on our website. Um, Beth Davies, can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on this fall here I at can. Fellowship? I sure can. We do have a lot going on this fall, and as a matter of fact, right now, Discover has begun in the chapel this morning, so if you signed up for that, just, you know, kind of low-key out of here and head that way and come on back at 1030, because that's happening, and that is another place where you can learn all about fellowship and who we are and our core foundation and just, it's all about fellowship, and if you missed and you would like to be uh, be a part of Discover, see someone on the community team, or sign up through the QR reader, and we'll catch you up to speed and get you going there. And then this week, what's this week? Community Group Launch Week. We are so excited. We've worked very hard um, to get everyone placed in groups, and we're just, you know, so um, confident that it's going to be a great year. We don't want you to miss out. So if by chance you did not get signed up, it is never too late. We always have room for one more in community, so please make sure that you sign up through the QR reader. Also, seniors, At 10.30 today, across the hallway, we have our legacy gathering, another opportunity for you to connect. So um, you know who you are. We just want to remind you not to miss out on that. And then next week at 10.30, we have Global Missions Informational Meeting, and that will be at the Lodge. And so if you're wanting to learn more about our global workers and what we're doing here at Fellowship Abroad, that is a great spot for you to attend. Just show up at 10.30, and we will get you um, more information. And then finally, ladies... Porch Retreat is coming. We are so excited. This is that one time a year where women gather um, on Friday nights on porches all through Northwest Arkansas. We have a great time. And then on Saturday, come back here um, and have worship. And this year it'll be um, across the hallway at uh, in the Family Center. And we will also dig into truth. We'll have a great message and discussion. We'll um, end with a wonderful lunch and something special there. And we just don't want you to miss out. So register now. It's October 7th and 8th. Uh, We'd love to get some hosts. So if you're willing to host, we need you to do that. We'll get you everything you need to take care of your ladies. And we're just anticipating a really special time of connection and growth. And we're just looking forward to that. So don't miss out. Porch Retreat, register now. Yes, thank thank you. you. Thank you, Beth. And our prayer um, is that through all these things, life change would happen. And so... You can feel free if you uh, feel like you're going to forget some of these announcements. Take out your phone, take out a piece of paper, write it down. We'd love for you to be involved because we believe in all of these ministries that life change will happen. 
Thanks, Beth. Um, this morning marks 21 years, it's almost to the hour of the September 11th terrorist attacks. And so this morning, we want to take um, just an opportunity to reflect and pray for those who uh, are still grieving and pray for our nation. So 21 years ago, there were there was a coordinated terrorist attack with four planes being hijacked, one of which flew into the North Tower, the World Trade Center, one flew into the South Tower, one flew into the Pentagon, and one um, was crashed in Pennsylvania, but it was targeting either the White House or U.S. Capitol building. And so those were days of darkness, and um, we, want, we, almost, we lost almost 3,000 uh, people to those attacks. Many were injured, and many are grieving lost family members. And so would you take a moment, and let's just lift up those who are grieving, lift up our nation, and have a prayerful moment of silence. Amen. I want to go ahead and put the words up on screen from the song we're about to sing. It's a familiar song to many of us, but it may be new to you today. The song is titled, Is He Worthy? And it begins with this question. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. And as I was reflecting on just the moment of silence that we just had and even setting up our time of worship together. I was thinking through um, the past few years of mine and Hannah's, our family's life of walking through foster care and adoption. And this question has been on my mind often as we've seen just the evil that takes place not only across the world or across the country, but takes place here in Northwest Arkansas. And so before we continue to sing, I want to encourage you again to take a moment of just prayerful consideration on what do you see in your life? What do you see in this world that causes grief? And take a moment to lament on the evil and the darkness around us. And as you do that, we will prepare our hearts to sing of the hope that we have in Jesus. Take a moment to rest in that truth, to lament and to pray to the Lord. this truth together. Do you know that all the 
sing his praise in this place today. Praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the
continue to take in the truth of who Jesus is, what he has done for us, this passage in Colossians, before we continue to sing.
Well, I believe that the Bible is no ordinary book. I believe that the words written in this book are alive and active, that they are sharper than a double-edged sword and they are capable of cutting and penetrating to the depths of the heart and soul of every man and woman. I believe that the words written in this book are sweeter than honey and they are more precious than gold. I believe that the words in this book are a, a lamp unto our feet and that they are a light unto our path. Did you know that there are over 31,000 verses in the Bible and they contain more than 750,000 words delivered to us through 66 chapters from Genesis to Revelation. They were written by 40 different authors in three different languages from three different continents over a period of over 2,000 years. This is the best-selling book of all time. Over 6 billion copies in print, Harry Potter. <laughs> and it's the best-selling book each and every year. That's why they don't even put it on the list anymore. It's been translated into more languages than any book in history, over 3,400, and that's growing each year. And I believe the words in this book comfort the afflicted, and they afflict the comfortable. The words in this book are God-breathed, and they're useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe that these words are inerrant and they're infallible and they're authoritative for all people in all places at all times. And they promise that they will not return empty but accomplish what God wills and desires. So what a privilege it is for us this morning, Fellowship Bible Church, to open the Bible and study his word. So would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians? This fall at fellowship, we're studying verse by verse the letter or the epistle written by the apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And don't forget, we've produced a companion resource to go along with our verse by verse study. They're available in the foyer. They're $10. If you need one, this is the last time we'll do it in here. Just raise your hand. Right now, we'll give you one, and you pay on your way out. It's the honor system, or we'll hold you accountable at the gates of heaven. <laughs> Raise your hand. The ushers will bring you one. Pay on your way out. In the guide, you'll find daily devotions. Those are also available on the app. You'll also find Bible study questions to guide you into the passage. You'll find questions for your small group, whether you're in a community group or a men's group or a women's group. And you'll find a place in there to take notes on Sunday morning with the passage written there for you. So having said all that, are you ready to go? Ephesians chapter one, let's pick up where we left off last week. We're in verse 15 today. The apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 15 begins the thanksgiving and prayer section of the letter. Paul's following a typical first century Roman letter writing format here. Now, when you're studying the scriptures and you come across a phrase like, for this reason, you ought to pause 
And you ought to investigate why that is there. It's pointing to a cause and uh, effect relationship. In this case, for this reason, is pointing both to the previous section of Scripture, but also to what immediately follows in verse 15. First, it refers back to what we looked at last week in verses 3 to 14. The blessings of being in Christ. If you didn't pick up last week's um, series opener, Nick Rowland came and taught us and did a fabulous job of setting up the book of Ephesians. You might pick that up online. But in Christ, last week we learned that we're chosen in him. We are predestined in him. We are adopted in him, forgiven in him, redeemed in him, and sealed in him. So for this reason, it points back. But then it also points forward. Right there in verse 15, it points to what immediately follows. For this reason. For what reason? Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. For these reasons, Paul has not stopped giving thanks because of their faith and their love. Paul is grateful. He's abundantly grateful. He's not stopped giving thanks. He's overwhelmed with gratitude because these believers at the church at Ephesus, genuinely knew the Lord and they authentically loved one another. Paul is thankful that they love God and love people. Can it get any more simple than that? Love God, love people. This is the standard that was set by Jesus when he was asked to summarize God's will for each of us. We call this passage the great commandment. Mark chapter 12 records it for us. When asked which of the commandments were the greatest of all, Jesus said, love the Lord your God, how? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. So when you boil down God's purpose for each of us to its irreducible minimum, this is it. Love God with everything you've got and love others as yourself. Love God, love people. It's just that simple, which means that there are four types of people in the world in relation to their obedience to the great commandment. First, there are those who love people but don't love God. Have you ever met someone like this? Super friendly, do anything for you, Great to be around, often generous and kind, but lost as a goose spiritually. Friendly, but far from God. Maybe that's you. Next, there are those who love the Lord, but don't love people. You gotta watch out for this group. They lurk in church foyers. They argue on social media just for fun. They write long, anonymous letters. They seem to thrive and multiply during pandemics and election years. (laughs) Maybe that's you. Thanks for the letter. (laughs) Then there are people who don't love God or people. Not only are they far from God, but they tend to be estranged from friends and family as well. And then lastly, there are those who love God and people. This group has both a heart for God and they share that 
with those around them. And this is how the people at the church at Ephesus were described. Which one best describes you? Well, Paul had received a report. He had gotten some feedback. He had heard about the reputation of the church at Ephesus. And the report was that they loved the Lord. They had genuine faith in him and that they loved one another. And for this, Paul was grateful. He had not stopped giving thanks. He was full of gratitude. What makes you grateful? Like when your heart is really full and you can take a deep breath of satisfaction in life, what's the cause of that? You know, often in our culture, we express gratefulness for material things and accomplishments. We're grateful for what we've had, what we have. We're grateful for what we've achieved, for our skills or our resources. Here, Paul expresses gratefulness for something much more abstract. Love. Love for the Lord and love for people. I wonder if we need to reevaluate what we esteem most. Maybe we need to recalibrate what we strive for or how we define success or greatness. Parents, what gets you more excited? Godliness or giftedness? What gets you really jazzed up about your kids? Is it home runs and touchdowns and gold medals? Or is it seeing them love the Lord and love others? What, what fills your heart most? A high test score or spiritual maturity? What's of greater value? Character or competence? Paul had a heart full of gratitude for the Ephesians because they were succeeding at what mattered most. They loved God. They loved people. The end of verse 16 moves us from praise to prayer. Not only is Paul grateful, he's also prayerful. He remembered the Ephesians in his prayers. And we actually have the content of his prayer. He didn't just tell them that he was praying for them. He wrote out his prayer in the letter. In fact, the rest of today's passage is simply a prayer. From verses 17 all the way through 23, we have Paul's prayer. It's a prayer for the Ephesians and it's a prayer for you. It's a model prayer. It's a vision of what Paul hoped that the Ephesians would become and it's a prayer that you can pray. In fact, at the end of the sermon, I'm gonna challenge you to take this prayer and incorporate it into your devotional life this week. Pray it for yourself. Pray it for those that you love and interact with. Let's take a look at it. Look at verse seven. The opening verse of the prayer reads this way. I keep asking, I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. In the opening of the prayer, Paul prayed that God would give the Ephesians and you a discerning spirit. A spirit, he called it, of wisdom and revelation. He prayed that we would have spiritual insight, that we would be able to discern and discover what is true and right, both about God and his will. Specifically, he prayed that God would give the Ephesians a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's interesting, the NIV, English translation of the scriptures, capitalizes that word spirit. 
It's giving you and I, an English reader, a hint that that is referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, if you survey the English translations, you'll find that other translations follow along with this and capitalize the word spirit, and then others do not. The original Greek word here is the word pneuma. And pneuma can be translated as spirit, as in the Holy Spirit, but it also can be a word used just to describe a human spirit. You may have used it that way, lowercase s, like they have a gentle spirit. If you took this translation, that would mean that Paul prayed that we would have a natural disposition of wisdom and revelation, an attitude or spirit of discernment when it comes to spiritual things, which, by the way, we know is impossible without who? The Holy Spirit. So either way, the goal is the same, that we would have the spirit or a spirit of discernment, of wisdom and revelation, so that we could what? Know him better. That's the primary point. Paul prayed that the Ephesians would develop a deeper and ever-increasing knowledge of Christ. And this isn't referring to mere head knowledge or abstract knowledge or knowing objective facts about the Lord. The original Greek word here is epinosis, which means a real or deep or full knowledge of Jesus. Personal knowledge. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him intimately, having a familiarity with the Lord and the things of the Lord. Most of you are aware here in Northwest Arkansas that we have a prolific bike trail system. It stretches from South Fayetteville all the way up to Bella Vista. It goes east and west. Most of you know about the bike trail, right? But some of you intimately know about it. You regularly ride it. You know the uneven bumps in the path before they even come to you. You know about the blind corners. You know the uphill climbs and the the funnest downhill stretches. You can remember places you've gone over your handlebars or had a flat tire. You know mileage. By the way, the orthopedic surgeons thank you (laughs) for the bike trip. You know the calculations of mileage between the various trailheads. You know where there's ongoing construction and detours. You, of course, record all of this on Strava so your friends and family can see and admire. You don't just know about the bike trail. You have personal knowledge, intimate awareness and familiarity, epinosis. That's what Paul was praying for the Ephesians, that they would have intimate and personal knowledge of Jesus, that they wouldn't just be religious, that they would have a personal relationship and intimacy with the living God. Paul prayed for them to know Jesus better with an increasing depth or fullness. Now, is that something we ought to pray over our lives and over our children and over our friends and our community group each week? You're gonna get an opportunity to do that this week. He prays for them to have the kind of knowledge about God that leads to godliness, the kind of intimacy that leads to obedience. And while he's grateful for their faith in the Lord and their love for others, he prayed that it would increase, that we would know Jesus better. He prayed that their sanctification would continue to progress. You can almost hear Paul saying, I'm grateful for your faith and love, but I'm not satisfied. I'm thankful, but there's greater potential here. You're doing great, but let's press on and go deeper. Is that on your agenda 
Is one of your goals in life to know him better, to mature spiritually, to increase your, your depth in the Lord? Is it something that you're pursuing or aiming for? We sing that song, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you. There is no greater aim. Is that true? Is knowing Jesus your primary pursuit or are they just words that we sing? You know, today we start our core training classes. They're going on in the training center right now and next hour. We also start our community groups uh, this week for adult ministry. And our goal is not busyness. Our goal is not to have activity for activity's sake. Our goal is right out of this prayer that we might know him better. The prayer continues in verse 18, where Paul now prays more specifically. He said, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe, Paul prayed that the eyes of the Ephesians' hearts would be open, that the very core of their being would be enlightened so that they could see certain spiritual truths. You know, the heart is the epicenter of human intelligence and will. It's the core processor of our being. And Paul prayed that our spiritual center would be given spiritual vision, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that they would be open so that we could truly see the things of God. And he prayed for this enlightenment in three areas. Let's look at each one of them. First, he prayed for us to know the hope to which he has called us. If you're in Christ, if you've repented of your sins and you've believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus for your forgiveness. Then you were called out of darkness and into the light and you were given a promise of a glorious future that one day you would be fully restored, that he would complete the good work that he began in you, that you would receive eternal life, complete righteousness, and that you would rest and rejoice in the finished restoration of all things. We hope for that day. We hope for a day where all pain and brokenness in this world will be wiped away and we'll experience the full and complete redemption. Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart would be open so that we could know that hope deeply. And the hope is certain. Hope is something you wait for, not something you wish for. It's more like the certainty of a sunrise than it is the irregularity of a shooting star. Hope is not a random game of chance. It's not an emotion attached to a possibility. It's peace and confidence that rest in the absolute promises of God. And Paul prays for us to know the hope of Jesus, to rest in it, to have the peace and security that comes through faith in Christ, knowing that he is able to deliver on his promises. And be reminded, our hope is not in our nation. Our hope is not in our net worth or a particular political ideology or political candidate. Our hope is not found in a bottle or a vacation or a possession. Our hope is not found in our resume or in a relationship or in our reputation. Our hope is found in a crucified and resurrected Savior 
who's promised to redeem this fallen world. Our hope is found in Jesus, who promised to one day return to this earth and usher us into eternity. So if you're tired of this fallen world and this futile life, if you get fed up with sin and brokenness, if you've grown weary of the perpetual dissatisfaction that this world delivers, then I have good news for you today. We have hope. We are people in waiting. Our hope is in Jesus who offers us a second chance at life and has promised to one day make all things new. Amen? Next, Paul prays for us to know our true identity. He prayed for us to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. At first, you might think of this particular part of the passage much like we studied last week. You might think of this rich inheritance to be similar to chapter one, verses three to 14, the rich blessings that we receive in Christ. And some Bible commentators interpret this that way. But if you look at the wording here, it might surprise you. Many Bible commentators, me included, believe that it actually means that we are his glorious inheritance. It mirrors Old Testament language perfectly. Often in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were called God's inheritance. The thought goes like this, that on that day, God will inherit. He will receive those he has purchased at a great price because of the riches of his grace. That's you. That's me. It's saying here that you are God's treasure. You are the inheritance of God. And Paul prayed that that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would have spiritual discernment to see and understand this truth and to experience our true identity as a child of the king. Think about what it's saying. Of all the things in the created world, you are God's most treasured possession. And and like a loving parent who treasures their children above all else, who would sacrifice anything and everything for the sake of their child's well-being, who relishes in every family memory and experience, the Lord treasures you that way. Do you think that God could love you that way? Like a loving parent loves their own child? Sam, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the thoughts that go on up here. Well, no, God could never love you like that. He loves you way more than that. It says in the scriptures that our earthly fathers are a mere reflection of our heavenly father. Paul prays for you to know your identity as his most treasured possession, his inheritance in his people. Paul prays for you to know hope. He prays for you to know his, your identity. And lastly, he prays for you to know the power available to you as a believer. That power is described in the passage as being his incomparably great power. And it's accessible to followers of Jesus. Power to resist temptation. Power to overcome difficulty. Power to face grief and sorrow. Power to do good works power to love and forgive, power to encourage and comfort, power to experience continual 
transformation. Know this, that following Jesus in a fallen world requires divine power. You could say it this way, that his power is a necessity for fulfilling his purposes in our daily lives. I would even go as far as to say that we all face certain and unavoidable failure if we try to live a godly life in our own strength. It would be like trying to drive a car on an empty tank or use your phone with an empty battery. You won't make it very far, use it very long. So we need to pray and ask God to give us a touch of his divine power in his life, in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us. And that prayer for God's powerful touch begins with an admission of need. A confession of our own inability to lead a godly life, which is very un-American. In his book, Extreme Prayer, author Greg Pruitt said this, all good prayer begins from a position of weakness, not a lofty idea of our own spirituality. As we attempt to follow Jesus each day, there are two words that are appropriate to begin with. I can't. We are a people desperate in need of God's power. The scriptures say that apart from him, we can do what? Nothing. So Paul prayed for us and we should pray that he would help us to know his incomparably great power. You could say it this way, that prayer is the power behind our spiritual growth. How do we know him better? How do we experience his hope? How do we realize our identity as as his children? Well, we pray for God to give us his power to help us deepen our faith. Now the passage is gonna go on, the prayer continues, and over the next three and a half verses, it describes the power of God. That power, this incomparably great power available to us as believers is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Resurrection power. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. That's us. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the power available to Christ's followers is mighty. It is strong. It is majestic. It is awesome. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available to us. Think about that. The power that conquered death, the power that vanquished Satan, the power that emptied the tomb, the resurrection power of Jesus is available to you to fuel your Christian life. And that power not only raised Jesus from the grave, it enthroned him as king and Lord over all creation, seating him in the heavenly realms at the right hand of God. It's a power that is elevated above all rulers and authorities and every name or title in this world, both now and forevermore. And it's also the power that exalted Jesus to headship over the church, placing all things under his leadership. It's a power that reigns both over the natural world and the spiritual world, a power that is superior to all and yields to none. And that power is yours. It is available to you. Paul prayed that you would know this power, that you would experience his might and his strength in your daily life as you strive to 
know him better. Here's the problem. Most of us ignore it. While it's readily available, we fail to tap into it. We try to live the Christian life in our own strength and wisdom. We attempt to follow Jesus fueled by self-reliance and self-determination. We live lives that are independent of his spirit and therefore less effective or even spiritually deficient. Last winter here in Northwest Arkansas, we finally got some snow and ice. And about the third time, I got tired of it. Amy and I moved into this house that has a really steep and and pretty broad square footage driveway. And, And because it was on a hill, I knew I had to get out and shovel it. So I got out my shovel and went to work. And I almost had a heart attack. And I remember I was about 40 minutes in and I had progressed about 10%. And I heard a voice behind me. Hey, bud, you need some help? Ryan. Now, Ryan's either the social chairman or the mayor of my neighborhood. I haven't figured it out yet. But he's just always out helping people. And I also heard a motor running. And I turned around and Ryan had a tractor (laughs) with a scoop on it. And he eagerly was wanting to scrape everybody's driveways because that's the kind of guy he is. And I said, dude, I do want some help. 15 minutes later, the whole driveway was scraped. Which image better describes the way you live your Christian life? Self-effort and determination or complete dependence on the power of God. God never intended for you to live the Christian life in your own strength, the passage reminds us that his power is available to those who believe. Prayer is the power behind our spiritual growth. So Paul prayed for the Ephesians and for us to know Jesus better. And he asked God to help us see our hope and to help us realize our identity as his children and to experience his power in a real way. And he gave us his prayer as a model for us to pray. And I want to give you a challenge this morning as we close and remind you of a tool that we've developed for you this week. So we've taken the prayer from Ephesians and we've developed some wallpapers for your phone. If you don't know what a wallpaper is, ask your grandchildren or your children. They'll tell you. You can go to our website. You can download them. Put them as your screensaver on your phone. And as you're waiting at the pickup line at school or maybe you're in a waiting room or you've got a break at work or you're at lunch, Pray this prayer. Uh, Pray this prayer over your life that you might know him better. That you might experience his hope. Understand your identity and tap into his power. Parents, grandparents, what if we started to pray this prayer over our children and our grandchildren this week? What if we prayed this together as a community group or in your men's group or your women's group? What if we prayed this in our student ministry? And that's how I want to close today. I just want to pray this over you and bless you. Would you join me? Well, Father God, I pray that you would help each one of us to know you better. Whether that means coming to know you for the first time or returning to you after a long time or going deeper in. Father God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, would you help us to have spiritual discernment and understanding? Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the world you see it, as the way you see it. We ask you to help us to distinguish between truth and lies. 
We ask you to help us understand the scriptures this week. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw us to more depth. Father, help us to know you better. Open the eyes of our heart to see your hope. Lord, give us light of hope in this dark world. Lord, give us hope so that when we fail, we won't give up. And Lord, help us to fix our hope on you and not in the things and the people of this world. Lord, we wanna know you better, so help us to understand our identity as your people. Help us to comprehend that we are your treasured possession, bought at a price. And Lord, forgive us for trying to find our identity apart from you. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in your power and not in our own strength. Lord, would you touch us with your power to such an extent that it breaks the power of sin in our lives? Would you give us strength to overcome the trials we'll face this week? Would you give us power to do good works in the lives of those around us? And Lord, we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our prayer echoes that of Paul's prayer in his declaration in the letter to the Philippian church. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage that I would gain Christ. Set our eyes on him, seek his face together, we see. Once my heart was lost, tangled deep in sin, wandering far from grace, and veiled in shame, yet with boundless love you have brought me home, now my grace.
If you'd like prayer, we have the Campbells in the prayer room. They'd love to pray for you this morning. Go in peace.